0: By having to cut up reality into language, we lose truth value, but we really can't help it. Where language is on point, we learn and cooperate. When language is inaccurate, we misunderstand each other. Where language doesn't exist, we are unable to transport meaning. Language itself shapes how we process reality, and by communicating, we unavoidably interpret. Our game, Overwatch, is one with a limited history and thus less sophisticated language and yet overwhelming complexity. We seem to have mostly unsatisfying answers to the questions, where's the enemy? What comp do they run? What style do they play? What's his role? Language ideally is as self-explanatory as possible and while maximizing accuracy. Accuracy and ease of access constantly stands at odds with each other so let's dive into a couple of issues with overwatch that i found also in talks with uh with friends in the scene and also s- things that i've absorbed and now ha- have sort of like boiled up in me also by people like kirby who constantly brought up these issues so let's let's give a couple of topping uh talking points from kirby here so Kirby has before talked about the problems in naming specific comps. So he was, for instance, someone who talked about how you would refer to two-two-two comps. Why not just call them 2-2, two, two, I think was his point. And these certain classifications certainly caused issues in the past. And as I will outline in a bit, still probably do. There were issues with role names. So for instance, one thing that he called out was... What about flex tanks? Can we really say that someone is a flex tank if for the last year 90 to 95% of the flex tank role was D.Va? Is that in the, a fair assessment? Now the idea of off tank has uh, holden, t- take, taken hold in the community. But at the same time, isn't everyone sort of now flexing? Is flex not dead? Isn't, isn't it all flex everything? So where's the language here? Why is it flex support? right? So, let's let's start with comps, for instance. So, over the first season, for instance, we saw different variations of what we call dive. So, despite for the vast majority of the history of Overwatch, the dive comp being D.Va, Winston, Tracer, Genji, then Zen and Lucio, or before Zen, Anna, it still was referred to as the same comp because presumably it was this one archetype or the core of what made it so was consistently the same thing. The same hold true when we, for instance, switched to Mercy, when Mercy was very overpowered in stage one of the Overwatch League and then also later on when she was still the better support over um, Lucio. So that then forced us to still use the name Dive, but it wasn't really Lucio Dive. Right, So here, a sort of lo- loss in speed and also maybe a little bit of a different archetype could have been argued, but I don't mind the distinction here too much, and I don't think that's a problem in itself. Now, what happens if Widow enters the the role? Suddenly people are talking about Widow dive. Is it dive still because Diva Winston and Trace are on the, on the team? It let, gets a little bit ambiguous here and i'm not sure if by calling it dive we are actually really serving the purpose and aren't confusing people and aren't even confusing experts in itself so the problem always seemed to be that our sort of descriptors weren't really effective or accurate while at the same time you always have to see that you don't get too complicated so, what about the current state of affairs? So, for instance, let's take goats. So, one modifier we've been seeing is that people now say sometimes Anna goats instead of Moira, or Zen goats instead of uh, Moira or Anna in that case. And when you say Anna goats, I think most people understand that this refers to the to that this specific position. So. Also, in the way the p- comp is played, it isn't fundamentally archetypically different, I would argue, even though it might be so what happens when Brick is switched out for Hanzo or doomfist? Is it still goats is it arch- archetype held? What if Rhine is switched to winston still goats it 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 gets you know a little bit murky, and we we find issues with calling basically everything goats or In fact, none of it. Or really that's one specific comp. Where's the line we draw? Where is it where we have to say this is accurate, this is inaccurate? Also things like, for instance, if we go back to the dive issue, sometimes dive comps by the composition that the heroes were wasn't really played dive, but rather counter-divey. So are we referring with dive as an archetype that's being played and rather than a... Than a strategy or a tactic. What what is it exactly that what we mean when we say dive? I'm not sure we had this public conversation, and I'm not sure if I have a satisfying answer for myself at this point. And I've dis- discussed this with other experts in the scene, like Benchmob, like Dream, like Volamil, and it remains a hard issue to tackle. Now, for instance, other scenes, like for instance, the scene I came from way in the past, in World of Warcraft, we solved this but with abbreviations at times. So what would happen is, for instance, the most well-known comp at the time that's apparently still feasible, was called RMP Rogue Mage Priest. Simply the you know, the type of um heroes or rather characters that you play and Therefore, it was very easy to identify RMP, then also became a household name for that comp. Everyone knew what it would refer to. Through reiteration and public consensus, we had a nice abbreviation that everyone knew what it meant. RLS was one thing. Then we sometimes, for some of these, had archetypical names, like Caster Cleave, Spell Cleave, these types of things, that, from what I could gather, still are within the scene and still have feasible names but the question is how how similar do they play still right now let's transport that back to Overwatch what, what can we do so for instance GOATS if I was to you know employ this RMP thing this abbreviation thing it would be something like Arzavabu Moilu right like Ryan Zarya uh, Diva because you can't say D because there's Doomfist then B for Bridget and then moy for moira and then lucia like it's very hard you see like th- this almost sounds like an african language at this point right so it is um quite quite hard to come up with sensical things so then what we did was simply take these and then sort of try to put names on them very early in the beta we had godcoms right we had this these pre Pre dive scenarios where there were two double double Genji double because we had no hero limits like these comps seemed unbeatable hence why they were called uh, God comps right, um, but often old language then gathers fast and it, for instance in the case of flex tank that doesn't even seem functional anymore and if new people come in now now the old heads all realize okay flex tanks refers to the position of the second tank player that doesn't play these main tank roles, even though, you know, now we have triple tank, this gets l- more and more ambiguous. It really shows the complexity of Overwatch and w- what kind of language problems we run into, right? But this isn't even just scraping the surface because I think the biggest one are actually map callouts. So I I remember somewhere that the devs specifically said, that in creating these maps and designing them, they specifically try to theme different parts of the map in the way that the community could easily make up names for them and communicate them. But as far as I can tell, this, to the vast majority of the player base, definitely till probably GM hasn't taken hold and very few people have like an entire vocabulary of these map positions. And it's probably mostly a thing of organized teams that hasn't really dropped into or seeped through into the competitive uh, ranked experience. While, for instance, games with a long history like CSGO, everyone knows where these positions are. They're very specific map callouts. They also have sometimes a cool history. For instance, um, if I think about Get Right that's a place on Mirage between on I think it's Bombsite A between you know these two little stairs and, and things like this we don't have this yet we probably either didn't have the history also we have so much overval- over over so, such an overwhelming amount of information, of maps, that's very hard to come up with them consistently. We are cycling through these maps so consistently, we can't just say, we want just want to play this one map and really hone it out and get it, unless you're in a scrim environment. So the overall player base can't really form consensus around these things. Now, there, here's one observation I made in myself. And as someone that uh, sort of tries to be mindful of his own cognitive processes when thinking about games. I don't think I really perceive maps as artistic things or could really even beyond the general theme tell you what the parts of the map are. So I can't I couldn't tell you if there's a church on on uh on Dorado for the longest time until, until someone pointed it out to me. To me, my cognition sort of perceives maps as geometrical objects and unless someone gives me a name to put on uh, that I hear frequently I won't even see these things as anything but I don't will I won't apply these labels so in that sense while it was a valiant effort I don't think that or that approach of trying to thematically change it by art really had any effect on me and i I have a hard time thinking that I'm the only one in this, right? Um, It's also that other people in the past have tried to do something about it. For instance, the content creator and former pro player Spo comes to mind, who made very early in beta, actually, these colored maps where he took specific... So he took top-down maps, which were pretty hard to get hold of uh, back in the day, and then he would color them up and would name them in order to sort of you know, have nice little chunks where people could constantly say, okay, they are there, they are there. Problem is, this once again hasn't arrived in the general community. And if we're talking about in ranked experiences, the only things, the only names I hear of enemy positions, for instance, is behind or someone is top or someone is on me, right? Like this doesn't help me because I don't connect the, the length. So the, the voice to this player that I just met to his character and can't really say who he's playing in the moment, or rather that would take so much cognitive, you know, resources that it wouldn't really help me in that moment, would it? So in that sense, nothing really is accomplished. And I wonder if anything but these teams have these sort of things. And I wonder if we were to compare these languages that teams or these vocabulary that the teams have accrued for themselves. If we were to put someone in, so for instance, let's say Dante going from Shock to uh, the Outlaws now, I'm very confident that they have to learn a bunch of new words map call-outs, or the teams that went into the World Cup teams. I think there there was a certain friction on, of trying to name these map call Of course, some overlap will be there, but very specific positions that also could shape strategy because someone has maybe found a very good Widowmaker angle and he stands there but the reiterations haven't been high enough for the entire uh, you know pro player base to know about this so they don't have a specific location for that one it's it shapes reality and it also drags us apart in trying to frame them and I wonder the process of trying to learn these different language styles would probably be very beneficial to these pro players to see how others name these specific map locations, because the names don't just tell you the descriptors, they also often will tell you the function of the position. So if someone says, for instance, God God position or something, and then he is making a judgment about the position, for instance, of a um, Widowmaker in a very good position that other teams probably haven't evaluated the same. So their value is to be found, but we, unless we get hold of these these communication systems, we will never hear them. So I think one thing is to say, okay, we we have a trickle down approach, uh, and hopefully. S- through, you know, the top 500. So the pro players teach it to the top 500 players and then it trickles down into Diamond and then in the lower levels because I can tell you, even the average player in CSGO knows a lot of these map callouts. Well, barely anyone in Overwatch does, which in itself makes sense because we don't have that that long history. But at the same time, it is now slowly becoming more and more concerning. And even if I talk to people about specific compositions that we run i have to reframe so for instance it isn't a given that everyone understands what goats is even at you know masters or you know gm level in europe so the the problem then is that you then have to explain what it is what these people have to do there's also strategical components involved and as long as we haven't found a way to disseminate that language onto everyone and then also to constantly discuss the the sense of the language to sort of, you know, to sort of care for the language that we use, I think we will have a problem. And by solving that issue, I think we also expand the understanding of the community tremendously and solve a lot of issues for us. Thanks for listening.